Let us pray. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray through these, pray, pray that through these simple words, your living word might be heard, that it might shine your light into our lives, that it may reveal our hurts and it may heal them. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I mentioned, today's Transfiguration Sunday in the Christian calendar. Today, Jesus takes his A-team disciples, Peter, James, and John, alone up a high mountain. And before their very eyes, Jesus' clothes are turned a shimmering white, and his face shines like the sun. He's transfigured, you know, transfigured. As you'll be singing all week. But literally in Greek, metamorphosized. Caterpillar to butterfly. Here Jesus' divine nature is made manifest in a way his disciples can see. The glory of God comes shining through his body from head to toe. But if that's not weird enough for you, poof, we have two a couple of Old Testament celebrities who pop out of nowhere. Moses and Elijah, it says, who should be long dead by now, are just hanging around and chatting with this shimmering Jesus. And if that isn't weird enough for you either, maybe Peter's response is, Lord, Peter says, Lord, it's it's so good for us to be up here. If you want, I could get started on three dwellings so we can stay. Three tabernacles, three tents, a shrine, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody took me up a mountain and turned into a super bright sparkler and was conversing with some guys who I had thought were dead, the last thing I'd probably do is pitch a tent and stay a while. I'd probably be scrambling back down the mountain Scooby-Doo style, actually. <laughs> but Peter, Peter, he wants to stick around. He wants to stay. He wants to set up shop up high on the mountain. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, if you're a coward, maybe, like, like me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That is, it doesn't make sense unless you flip to the previous chapter, the chapter just before this one, to see where they were before they were on the mountain. Because in chapter 16, Jesus foretold his crucifixion, that he was destined to head to Jerusalem. He was destined to suffer and die on the cross, only to be raised again three days later. The disciples tend to not hear that part when he says it. And Peter, like any normal person, thought dying was a bad idea. But when he tried to talk Jesus out of it, Jesus came at him as hard as Jesus comes at anybody. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says. And then Jesus broke down some of his core teachings. If any want to become my followers, Jesus said, 
Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For Jesus' suffering and death were unavoidable. And anybody who wanted to follow in his footsteps was going to end the same way. To paraphrase the late great Jesuit priest and activist Daniel Berrigan, who said, if you're going to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. That's what Jesus says anyway. So no wonder Peter's so eager to pitch a tent or two or three on the mountain. Because down on the ground, Jesus was dragging him with him to Jerusalem and to certain doom. Whereas up on the mountain, everything's all bright and spotless, untainted by the world's troubles, shiny, happy people holding hands. If you're an REM fan, which I guess none of you are. I'm not really either, but it's a good song. Uh, But no cross in sight up on the mountain. This is Peter's way of avoiding suffering. It's his way of avoiding suffering, his way of protecting himself, his way of staying safe and far away. It's Peter's way of avoiding suffering. And Peter's not the only one who avoids suffering, of course. We all avoid suffering in one way or another. Now, you may have read a recent interview with Ben Affleck about his new movie. I think this is the first Transfiguration Sunday sermon to ever include Ben Affleck in it, so there, there we go. But you may have read a recent interview with Ben Affleck about his new movie, The Wayside, and if so, you'll know through that interview that he's hit some hard times professionally and personally with it all culminating in his divorce in 2018. He's a year sober now, but only after two stints in rehab in two years. And so in the interview, he reflects on his drinking problem, and here's what he said about it. People with compulsive behavior, he said, people with compulsive behavior and I am one of them, have this kind of basic discomfort all the time that they're trying to make go away. You're trying to make yourself feel better with eating or drinking or sex or gambling or shopping or whatever, but that ends up making your life worse. Then you do more of it to make that discomfort go away, then the real pain starts. It becomes a vicious cycle you can't break. That's at least what happened to me. So here he said that his drinking wasn't the problem so much as the solution to his true problem. The problem of pain, the problem of discomfort, and the problem of suffering. He used it as an escape, as a buffer to protect himself from pain. 
And the euphoria of drinking was his way to set up shop high on the mountain to hide, to hold his real life on the ground at bay. Now, as special as Ben Affleck may be, I mean, he was Batman, of course. As special as he may be, though, he's pointing to the same instinct at work in Peter on the mountain. And the same instinct at work in all of us. We generally prefer comfort, safety, and security to discomfort, risk, and uncertainty. Pleasure to pain, in which, I mean, who can blame us, really? We'll do all sorts of things to try to avoid it. It's normal and it's natural, but it can also be more destructive than the stuff we're actually trying to avoid altogether. Personal stuff like problems at work, family conflict, depression, anxiety, or social stuff like doing our best to seal ourselves off from the suffering of our own human beings. It's all escape because we're afraid of pain and discomfort. There's no doubt that each of us has our own mountaintop dwelling we'd rather retreat to over the cross we face at the base, but in doing so, we actually experience the inversion of Jesus' teaching. In our effort to save our lives, we lose them. Our desire for protection, our comfort for safety, more often than not, actually holds us back from truly living. Ask Peter, ask Ben Affleck, ask Jesus. Now, the next logical step in this sermon is to tell you all that you just need to face your fears, right? Because that's conventional wisdom now. That's the message I got from the interview anyway. You need to stop avoiding, stop escaping. You need to confront your fears and anxieties. You need to suck it all up and do what's right. And once you do, you'll not only build character, your life will be better, and the pain will become more bearable. Which is probably true. It's probably true. It's true, but it doesn't change the fact that it's impossibly hard for most of us, if not all of us, to just do that. If you've ever tried to face any kind of fear, you'll know just how hard it truly is. I mean, if you pay attention in fact, to the scripture passage, it doesn't actually work on Peter either. And so as Peter's detailing his campsite blueprints, it says, a bright cloud overshadows all of them. And of course, clouds point to the presence of God, especially in the Old Testament. God's presence led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt by way of a cloud. So here, God's in the mix. God's in the air, you could say. And then from the cloud, it says, there's a voice. And the voice says, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Do what he says. 
So here God's basically telling Peter and the other disciples that they need to just do what Jesus says. Peter needs to take up the cross. He needs to suck it up and he needs to face his fears. This is God telling him and the other disciples this directly. This is my son. Listen to him. Do what he says. God says it, but it doesn't even work. Because as soon as they hear the voice, Peter and Co. it says, they hit the deck as fast as they possibly can. They fall to the ground, it says. And it says they're overcome by fear. They're just as afraid to head down the mountain as they were before, if not more so. Because the fact is, facing all of our fears, getting into the crosshairs of our discomfort and pain is hard. It's incredibly hard, and commanding, cajoling, directing different behavior may cause a temporary change in behavior, but does nothing to alleviate the core problem, which is fear. Even if the commands come directly from God, through a cloud. Even then, we're much more likely to hit the deck harder than we were before. It doesn't work. So, me simply telling you to face your fears would do little or nothing to actually relieve you of them, to get you off the mountain and face the reality back on the ground in the mud and muck and suffering and fear that consumes our lives it wouldn't make much of a difference. It wouldn't make much of a difference, but lucky for us, lucky for you and for me, though, there is something that does make a difference. For people of faith, anyway. What does make the difference, though, is God. There's your Sunday school answer, and it's as right as ever. God makes the difference. But not a God who is off in the clouds making demands, issuing commands, but a different kind of God. So Peter and James, they're all pinned down to the ground, clinging to the side of the mountain, cowering with fear, freaked out by the booming voice of the Lord. But here, Jesus, he just steps over to them. He comes, it says, and he touches them. He touches them. He reaches down to each of them, and he says, get up. Get up and do not be afraid. And when the three of them look up, it says, they see nobody but Jesus, all alone. The gleaming robe, the blindingly bright face, Moses and Elijah, the cloud, the voice, it's all gone. And what's left is plain old Jesus. His touch and his words. Get up. 
and do not be afraid. And with this, the three men, they peel themselves off the ground. They find their feet. They head back down the mountain, back to the world of suffering and pain. So what makes the difference? What makes the difference here is a simple touch from Jesus' hands and simple words from Jesus' mouth, get up. Don't be afraid. What makes the difference is not the booming voice, no thunder, no fire, no earthquake. It's the still, small voice of a compassionate Savior who they can see and who they can touch. One who doesn't draw them up into some heavenly hideaway, away from the brokenness of earth, but rather one who walks with them down the mountain and brings heaven with him on the way. This is what makes them stand. This is what casts out their fears, what gives them the courage to head back down the mountain to face reality. What makes the difference is Emmanuel, God with us. God who is with them and for them. One who will drag them with him through the cross to Easter Sunday. What makes the difference is God on the ground, touching, speaking, healing. We're all avoiders, this is true. We're fearful people. Fearful people who will do what it takes to avoid discomfort, displeasure, and pain, even if it keeps us from full lives. Like Peter, we'll find a spot to camp out and escape, whatever form that might take. And facing our fears is far easier said than done. But the good news is that it can be done. The beauty of the gospel is that we have a God who is not just up there in the heavens somewhere looking down at us, but one who reaches down, who comes down the mountain with us. The good news is that in Jesus Christ, the heart of the universe reaches down to us in our suffering, our sin, our pain, and our shame, and pledges to carry it with us into eternity. The good news is that God is right here in the daily flesh and blood and heartache and the struggle of your life and mine. And because God is with us, we can stop building our tents to hide away from the world in. We can quit ducking for cover in substances, in purchases, and all of our other avoidances. Because God is with us, we can make our way down the mountain and embrace the cross of daily existence. Because God is with us, we can start facing our fears instead of running away. So what are you afraid of? Who or what are you hiding from? And where, what do you use to hide? 
Where are you unable to go? What are you incapable of doing on your own? Whatever the case may be, may these words be to you both the hands of Christ on your shoulder and the voice of Christ in your ear. And may you hear these words, get up, be not afraid. And wherever you need to go, wherever you need to go, God has already gone down ahead of you. So take courage, get up, go down, and be not afraid. Amen.